Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Epiphany's podcast, a ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. For more information about our church, you can visit epiphanyligonier.org. You can tell the planners of the lectionary didn't think very hard about putting that one verse about loving your father and mother more than me on Father's Day. Um, but we are good Christians and followed the lectionary today, and I'm going to do the very brave thing and not preach on that text. Uh, I'm going to preach and continue on in our sermon series today, um, the Gospel according to the book of Genesis, which is our look at where Christ is foreshadowed in the book of Genesis. We've been going through that for a number of weeks now, and today I want to talk about a, a Christian topic called election. Election. Not political elections, mind you, right? That's November. We're talking about election. It's a fancy way of saying that God makes choices and that he chooses to work with certain people for a task he wants to accomplish. And one of the the often repeated patterns in uh, scripture is um, that God does this over and over again. He says, well, I want to accomplish something and I want to do it through humans. And so he chooses specific people uh, just because he does. We don't read that there's any rhyme and reason for it. We just read that God chooses people to accomplish tasks. And it's not like God's choice is linked to something like financial stability or uh, good appearances. Uh, Lord knows if that was qualifications for being a preacher, I would not be up here in front of you. (laughs) Um, But God's electing work, it doesn't always match up with the appropriate skill set required. It's not as if God wants to build a house, so he calls carpenters. It's like God wants to build a house, and so he calls like a babysitter. It's this very odd thing. And, and um, think, for example, of Mary being chosen as the mother of Jesus. Think of King David, another Old Testament figure um, who was chosen to become a king. Uh, think of Moses leading people out of Egypt. And in our reading today, we're, we're looking at someone. Uh, God chose a man named Abram uh, for a particular and wonderful task. In fact, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks with this guy, Abram. We're going to get to know him pretty well. And we're going to look today at God's election, God's calling, God's choosing of Abram. That's the story we read in our reading. And again, we're doing this series where we go through and try to find where is the gospel, where is the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection in the book of Genesis. Is it there Um, What does it have to do, the beginning of the Bible, what does it have to do with the end of the Bible, as it were? And so far in the series, we've seen how God created the world to be very good, that God had good intentions for the world, and he wanted to make the world into a particularly good thing. But there was this rebellion, this coup against God, where human beings, they had one, you know, God told me, like, you had one job, don't eat the forbidden fruit, and they did. And it wasn't just because they were foodies who wanted to try something new. It was because they wanted to become like God. That the story of Adam and Eve is not just rule-breaking. It's an attempt attempt by Adam and Eve to be like God. And that's certainly not something we're capable of, but it exposed a rift between God and humanity. And after that rebellion of the forbidden fruit, things just got worse. They got worse, and they got worse quickly. Um, Shame, infighting, murder, jealousy violence, all of these evils we're familiar with today, 
they enter the world as a result of this sort of heavenly, uh, this coup against the heavens. And if that wasn't enough, right, the family, um, God comes in and says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start over, I want to start the whole project over, and he saves one family, but then there's a flood, wipes out everyone else, but the one family that survives, we read about this a couple of weeks ago, um, that the curse, the, the, the problems are still there, even in a good and holy family, there are some real issues. And so as the, the, the family of humanity grew and they grew and they transitioned from being just one family to being a number of nations, they got together and worked on this big project, this tower to the heavens, and God looked at them and said, look, when you guys get together, bad things happen, so I'm going to scatter you apart for a little while until we figure something out. And so he confuses their languages. And that's where we've been. That's what we've looked at so far in the Gospel of Genesis. And if you're like me and you're reading everything so far, you might be thinking, you know, gosh, God kind of seems like he's on the, the defense. God kind of seems like he's on damage control. Like the pattern is that humans do something bad, and then God sort of swiftly comes in to try to correct it. And humans do more bad things, and God kind of comes in to correct it. Humans eat the fruit, he kicks them out of the garden. Murder happens, and he exiles the murderer. And it seems as if God is sort of like in this place where he says, you know, I'm just going to sort of react and see how things go. He hasn't been really active. He isn't really playing offense in the sense that he's trying to fix it. He's sort of in damage control. That's what we look at in the readings that we've looked at in Genesis so far. It's like, what is God going to do? Is he going to try to fix things, or is he just going to try to put out fires as they come along? But we see a shift in Genesis chapter 12. We see a a, a shift that God is going to go from defense about sort of just putting out fires as they come around to offense. He's going to start to do something about the problems of the world. Um, Because this man, Abram, that he's going to choose is the first domino. You know those domino things? You can watch it on YouTube. But, you know, we did this before YouTube. You set the dominoes end over end and make a big train and then you knock one over and it goes, they just all knock over, right? Like, you can watch these on YouTube, and you can watch like a million of them, like, set up and, and knock them over. It's, you know, if you have 20 minutes that you need to kill. And um, the, this, this, this calling of Abram is the first domino in a very, very, very long line of dominoes that's going um, to result in the salvation of the whole world. It's the first piece of the grand puzzle that God's going to put together. Um, that's going to bring us all of the things that we as Christians know and care very deeply about. And it happens from the election, the calling of this guy, Abram. That's what we read today, right? Our reading begins with um, God calling a guy named Abram. And in between the last week's sermon and this week's story, we get the the lineage, another genealogy in the book of Genesis. A lot of names I didn't want to have to make Janice read, a lot of names I didn't want to have to talk about. Um, But what ends up happening is uh, after the Tower of Babel, we talked about last week, after that um, project is abandoned because people separate because of their languages, we read about a a man named Terah. And Terah lived in, if you're a Bible geography nerd, in the region of Ur, (laughs) you are. And, um, well, we actually have some archaeology to know that Ur was a city that exists. It's a very old city. And um, it's in sort of modern-day Iraq between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Again, there's like two of you who are geography buffs, but I know you guys are loving it, so I'm throwing you a bone today. And um, But this Terra guy, for all we know, he was sort of a regular guy. There's nothing special about him. He, like, worshipped the moon and just sort of did things like the Babylonians did, like the ancient Mesopotamians did. 
And uh, what happens is he has three sons, and one of them is a, a kid named Abram, and Abram go, grows up for part of his life in this region. And then at one point, Terah says, hey, we're going to move, and they move from modern-day Iraq to modern-day Turkey to a city called Haran. And in the process, Abram grows up, and he marries a woman named uh, Sarai, S-A-R-A-I. And um, the text tells us that they move, but Sarai doesn't have children. She can't have children. It's a real sad situation. We'll talk more about that in a second. And not only do they move, not only does the father and the son move, but also uh, a young man named Lot moves, who is Abram's nephew. And they all go to Turkey, and they all settle there, and they're doing good business. And one day, Abram gets a word from God. It's what we read in our reading. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country to your kindred, uh, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in in him who dishonors you I will curse, and in all the families of the earth they shall be blessed. Let's break that down a little bit. So God comes to Abram and gives him an instruction. Leave your country, leave your family, and follow me. If you do, I will give you six things. Six things. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who dishonor you. And every nation will be blessed by your family. That's what um, God says. And that sounds kind of like a sweet deal. You know, if God sort of parted the clouds to us and said, hey, listen, I want you to go somewhere new you've never been, but here's all of these good things that are going to happen. I'm going to make you a great nation. Your descendants are going to be so numerous that they're not going to be a family. They're going to have to actually like stop being a family and form a government, right? And then uh, not only that, but you're going to have so many grandbabies and so many great-grandbabies, you're not going to be able to count them all. And um, this nation that we're going to build from your family is going to be a blessing to everyone, and I'm going to bless your allies, and I'm going to curse you. It's like, well, that's kind of a sweet deal. What a promise from God, right, that God gives to Abram. Um, but there are a couple of problems and there are some reasons why for Abram this isn't necessarily the sweet deal that we might think it is. Chief among them is that Abram at this point is 75 years old, and we have some very spry 75-year-olds in our congregation. And let me ask you, though, <laughs> would you want to uproot your life completely to go to a land you've never been for this set of six promises, or would you just kind of rather you know, peacefully retire and like hang out for a little bit? And, um, you know, so I wouldn't blame you if, if that's you and you're thinking, wow, I would not like to uproot my entire life and go. But the, the second problem on top of all that is that we know uh, Sarai is barren. She can't have children. And I've mentioned this before in church, but it's important to remember that children are the ancient Near East equivalent of the social security system. Like there's no social security in the ancient Near East. The government is not going to take care of you uh, in that regard. Um, so what they did was families had lots of children. And the expectation was that when you got old, your children would take care of you. So you wanted your children to grow up and succeed because if your children succeeded, you could kind of retire in style with your family. Um, so Abraham and Sarah, they weren't just sort of hanging out with this guy Lot, their nephew, because they were, you know, they liked him a bunch. I'm sure they did. But Lot was, was, they were training him up to take care of him and them in their old age. And they're living with their father. They're sticking with their father. They're taking care of their father. But also they recognize that if they strike out on their own and try to do their own thing without a big family to take with them, it's going to be really, really hard in the future. 
So Abram has set up, and Sarah have set up a system for themselves where as they get older, they're 75 years old, as they get older, um, they are, um, they're in a place where they're, they're safe, they're comfortable, it's not as dangerous as striking out on their own. But I mean, the question, the thing that God is asking of them is not just, will you leave your family and your, uh, your, your, your neighborhood behind, but will you leave your 401ks behind? Will you leave your social security behind? Will you leave your retirement nest egg behind to come with me and to do what I ask of you? And when you put it like that, you know, there's a pretty, that's a pretty uncomfortable thing for God to ask of someone. And yet, um, despite a number of very good reasons to pass, Abram says, sure, let's do it. He trusts God. Here's how the passage goes on. So Abraham, uh, excuse me, Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, Turkey. And, he, and Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And the text goes on to say that uh, Abram and Sarai, they, they, they go to Canaan, they go to a famous city called Shechem, which is a city that plays a number of ways and a number of important roles later in the Bible. And when they get there, when they get to this land of Canaan, God says, hey, remember those promises that I made you? This is how it's going to pan out. This whole geographic region, it's going to be your nation. Like This is where your family is going to, 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 to grow and take inheritance of this, this area, this valley called Canaan. Um, this is where you're going to become a great nation, and this is where I'm going to fulfill my promise to you in the future. Uh, because you see, God is setting up something here. God is at work. Again, we talked about the, the dominoes, right? God is setting up the history that's being discussed here is that Abram is going to have so many offspring um, after we work through the hurdle of his wife not being able to conceive. Um, Abram's going to have so many children that they're going to be ceased to known as just you know, the family that came from Abraham. Um, they're going to be, of course, they're going to call them, um, this is the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they're, they're going to be called something else too. They're going to be called Israel. Um, that this nation, right, that this calling of this election of Abram is the domino that knocks down the other dominoes that brings us to the founding of the nation of Israel, the, the sort of highlighted nation of the Old Testament. No longer is God uh, playing damage control with the way the world is. He's going on offense. He's tilting against the evils of this world. And this is the first domino in that long chain where God says, okay, well, I'm going to start this process of saving the world by getting this one guy. And from him, we're going to build this nation of Israel. Um, and, and, and things are going to continue to blossom from there, right? And the text tells us that Abram takes some time, and there's more Bible geography names, but he goes across Israel. You know, Negev is down in the south. It's a sort of on the way to becoming a desert. And so he tours this area, and, and, and God is saying, you see this whole region, Shechem, Negev, all these Bible names. This is the region where Israel, your people, will be formed. It was all do, done through what we call, what the Bible calls, election. When God chose Abram out of the blue to bless him like it was going out of style, that's what election is. And I want to speak more about this concept of election as it pertains to you and me. I'm going to speak about that this morning. When God chooses people to accomplish a specific task, the scriptures don't tell us why this person. Um, what they do tell us is that God works with people who are otherwise 
unremarkable, and prone to doing very ungodly things. Um, This is a contrast that you see later on when we do get to the the story of Israel between two kings uh, in the Bible. Because the people, they get together and say, we want a king, and God says, well, it's a bad idea, but okay. And um, the people get together and they, they elect a king, okay? And the person that they elect is a guy named Saul. And the, the thing, the reason why they liked Saul was because he was tall and he looked like a king should look. And what they missed in the middle of that was, was that Saul had sort of a very shaky faith and he also had some serious mental illness. Um, that he was someone who really struggled and you can read about that if you want to later on in the Bible. So the people elected someone, a political leader, who was supposed to be good and strong and that they really wanted him, but it turns out he was really not so great. So then God comes along and says, okay, I'm done with the Saul guy. We're not going to work with him anymore. And he picks the, the, the youngest kid of a big family whose only redeeming quality was that he was um, out watching shepherds. And it's like, yeah, okay, at the time, you know, this idea of like a king being a shepherd, we didn't have that idea because this is how we invented it. Because up until that point, it's like, shepherds don't be kings. Shepherds are like lower class kids. Like, why would you want the youngest kid of the family? But God said, no, I want this one. This unqualified kid who doesn't look like a king. The only thing we know about David in his childhood was that he was ruddy, which is just a fancy way of saying that he had sort of a red complexion, like a pink. He didn't need to wear flush, all right? Um, anyway, we didn't need to wear blush. But, but you see, God chooses people for reasons we don't know or understand. People are not as good at this, but the text tells us that God sees all sorts of things that we don't. And when he picks people to accomplish a mission, uh, to accomplish a task, when he elects people, um, he usually does so in spite of doubts and anxieties and the proclivity to run in the opposite direction. Um, it reminds me of a certain uh, Latrobe celebrity whose um, lowercase h, lowercase s, Holy Spirit, graces the pulpit from time to time. And I'm talking about Mr. Rogers, the, the famous Presbyterian minister, children's TV show host. And uh, there's a bit of Mr. Rogers renaissance that's taking place over the past maybe five or six years here. And I think that's for the better. And um, two summers ago in 2018, there was the documentary and it played at the local theater here. And it was a, a very good documentary. I enjoyed it. But what was funny is I exited the movie theater and I saw a number of you went to the same movie. And we were all there watching this movie together. And uh, we didn't know that we were all there watching this movie together, but we were. And um, I imagine the thing that we all had in common that night was we were also just like weeping like children. Um, because that's Mr. Rogers. And Mr. Rogers has a song that gets to the heart of this idea of why Abram's election is good news for us to remember. Um, You'll remember that he sang this song over and over again throughout the series. He's saying, it's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. It's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you. Not the things that hide you. Not your toys, they're just beside you. But it's you I like, every part of you. Your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember, even when you're feeling blue, it's you I like. It's you yourself. It's you. It's you I like. And when we see God at work in Abram's election, we can hear these words of Mr. Rogers at play. It's not the clothes that he's wearing or the way he does his hair or his toys. They're just beside him. God just likes Abram. 
And um, it, it's more than that even because it's this mercy, this election of God is merciful. Because God likes Abram and makes him promises before this life journey begins um, because God has a plan and Abram has a place in that plan even when Abram goes off the rails with some of the dumbest and ungodly um, the decisions that you'll see in the entire Bible. I'm not making that up. In fact, we're going to go through this in the coming weeks, but even in our story, what does God say? Leave your family behind. Who uh, comes along on this trip? Abraham, excuse me, Abram and Sarai. And guess what? Oh, look, it's Lot. Lot is coming along too. And what we're going to find is Lot becomes this massive liability um, to, to Abram in the coming um, journey ahead. And does that disqualify Abram from God's uh, love that he does this thing wrong? No. Does it complicate Abram's life? Absolutely. Um, does it get in the way of God's plan for Abraham? Um, well, we're going to see what that looks like in the coming weeks. Um, but by the end of our time, we're going to see that Abram is a liar and a deceiver. He laughs at God's promises. He's an adulterer. He treats his servants like trash. And not once, but twice, he will pimp out his wife to a regional king to try to save his own skin. So, you know, not a great guy, this Abram of ours. And yet God liked him and worked with him, and the dominoes fell, and Israel became a nation, and more dominoes fell, and Israel had some kings, and then more dominoes fell, and they got conquered by the Babylonians and sent into exile, but then they came back, and then more dominoes fell, and they had some time free, but then the Romans came and conquered Israel, and they were in charge, and more dominoes fell, and there was this great census across the whole land, and more dominoes fell, and there was a little child born to a virgin mother in the city of Bethlehem, and a a few more dominoes fell, and all of a sudden, this child has grown up, and he's teaching, and he's preaching, and he's an exorcist, and he's healing, and he's doing this miraculous ministry, and then more dominoes fell, and he is nailed to a cross, and he dies and rises again on the third day. And more dominoes fell, uh, fall, and you and I are here in this place, because a long, long time ago, um, one man, Abram, said yes to the promises of God. That is the only thing that Abram does right in the story of his whole existence, is that when God says to do something, Abram says, okay, I'm in, we'll do it. And the reality is, is you and I are here in this room because of it. So let me conclude today with a word for our dear friend, Hayden. There's Hayden down there. What's going on, Hayden? Calling you out from the pulpit. I know that's anxiety producing. Don't worry. Um, uh, uh, we, the call of Abraham started this train of dominoes that led to this very morning right now. And part of God's great plan to save the world is the fact that Hayden is getting baptized today. The fact to Hayden that God loves you. He called Abram to start a mission, a nation that would eventually bring us Jesus, who died and rose again from the grave and gave us the Holy Spirit so that you might be here today and be baptized and join the nation of God that God had in mind so long ago. God likes you, Hayden. He enjoys you. It's you God likes it's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you God likes. The way you are right now, the way deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your toys, your video games, they're just beside you. <laughs> it's you God likes, every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new. And I hope that you'll remember, even when you're feeling blue, it's you God likes. It's you yourself. It's you it's you God likes. The same God who elected Abram is the same God who elected uh, you and me and everyone in this room. 
who's here today. Um, it's the same God who chose all of us in this church to be saved. It's the same God who called and elected you, Hayden. And so, in faithful obedience to God's calling, let us postpone no more and invite Hayden and his sponsors to come forward uh, for the sacrament of baptism. Feel it. Oh, I got the feeling when I woke, I feel it. Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.